Welcome to the Here and Now Motherhood podcast. Here and Now Motherhood is a nonprofit designed to support moms in their transition into motherhood. I'm your host, Nicole Hunt. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's Here and Now Motherhood podcast episode. We're continuing on our motherhood story or matrescent stories of having moms share their stories of their transition into motherhood. And we have a guest today, Lindsay, that's going to share her story. Um, Lindsay, would you mind just giving us a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah. Hey, I'm really stoked to be on this podcast. First of all, Nicole is just a gem of a person. So it's an honor and I'm humbled to be here. Um, So yeah, I am the mama to three little girls. Nora's five, Luna is three, and Maymay is two. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, So let's start with before you ever started on your motherhood journey. um, What was your perception of motherhood before you were a mom? Oh, my goodness. My perception was so beautiful. Um, One, because my mom was just an incredible mother. And so I just had this awesome mindset of what being a mom would be. It would be like this glorious, um, all things good, no things stressful. Um, just like storybook idea. And then I also nannied. And so like caring for little kids and getting them dressed and giving them a bath and eating these fun meals. So I had all these like things that the good, you know, the highlight reel of motherhood, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think in my head, and it was good. I don't think that's bad. I think I'm very thankful for just that warm, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing thing. Um, And not that motherhood isn't, so I want to make sure I'm saying that correctly, but just like all the good things that we're going to be, you know, all this time to play and you're going to always feel good and have all this energy and praise be to my mom who I guess just had lots of energy and like that's in my head now. Um, I just remember my mom always being super present and super fun. And so I was like, I'm going to be that mom. Like that's what motherhood is. Um, so yeah, all good, good stuff. I'm very thankful for the perception of what I, of motherhood growing up, um, as I journeyed into my own story. Yeah. I was a nanny, um, before I was a mom too, but I had kind of the opposite like experience. (laughs) My my anxiety and depression was, like, really bad at the time. Mm. And so I was, like, I think mostly I got, like, a glimpse into what postpartum depression is oh, like. Oh, my word. Yeah. So I was, like, like I don't know. I remember being, like, wow, this is really hard. So that's cool that for you it was, like, this is beautiful. <laughs> that's so tough. Yeah, and it was, like, these kids nap or they don't, and you can drive them around and go push them in a stroller at Target or a buggy at Target and, like, all these things of, like, this is going to be like the coolest, funnest, easiest job ever. Duh. And then (laughs) bam, like, oh, let's hit you with the real life reel. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah. Because motherhood, I think what you're kind of alluding to is that motherhood tends to be like, like there's also hard parts. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just the highlight reel. Absolutely. Um, So tell me a little bit about your initial like steps towards motherhood. What was that like for you? Um, Gosh. It was something I knew I always wanted, and I just, again, had this idea of, like, you do the thing, you have a baby, and ba-bam. Like, I never thought about potential complications or, like, lifestyle, you know, things that maybe 
wouldn't make the time right or seasons of life. And so my husband and I got married very young and, um, sorry, <laughs> we got married super young and we always knew we wanted kids. But we just didn't know that it would be hard to conceive. Like I never took birth control or anything for personal um, reasons. Just, it didn't make me feel good. I didn't like the way I felt, so I didn't take it. And so in my head, like we were going to get pregnant pretty early on. Um, I was in college and then in graduate school, we had been married for like five and a half years and I got pregnant in graduate school, like the most intense semester after I had met with an OB and she was like, you're not on birth control. Like, I think it's going to be really hard for you to get pregnant. Um, you match all the signs for PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so that was a really scary term. And I thought, oh, wow, like here I am in grad school. Like we want to have kids. It's been five years. We haven't. And so I think in my brain, I was slowly starting to lean into that. This isn't going to happen. Um, this is like my dream and like what I've always thought about too. Oh, man, we might have to shift gears here in our thinking. And that was literally like maybe a year before we got pregnant with Nora in grad school. And I was like, seriously, getting pregnant in the middle of a rigorous graduate program, like what is happening? And so it just made me laugh. <laughs> it made me laugh of like, because I had stopped thinking about it, you know, and I think it was like, I hear stories like that a lot. I mean, obviously I'm not saying you stop thinking about having a baby and you get pregnant. I tread very gently there. I have kids or friends who are walking a journey that is so hard. And so I don't take light to that, but I just was laughing at like, okay, you know, God's timing is not mine and here we go. So it was just like a very crazy shift and this may not ever happen to this is happening right now and I don't want it to happen right now. This is terrible timing. Um, <laughs> so we learned a lot in that, you know, five, five and a half year window of time. Yeah. Um, did you wind up having PCOS? I was never tested. I don't really know what kind of test they do, but I matched like all the like red flag symptoms, I guess. Um, but they never really looked at my ovaries. I don't think, isn't that how they do it? Like to see if there are cysts there. I just was so, my periods were never regular. They were always heavy, like all of that stuff. And so I was like, I totally have this and I'm not getting pregnant, and but I'm not on birth control. But, and so what is happening? Um, and then later after getting pregnant, like every other, you know, practitioner that I saw was like, yeah, you definitely match the symptoms. Interesting that it was never like an official thing or anything, but here I am with three babies later and I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And that sounds really intense to get pregnant while you're in grad school. Mm. Yes. Very. Um, did I you give birth to her while you were in <laughs> grad school? <laughs> I did. So I got pregnant oh. my first year of graduate school for speech language pathology and it was during my, um, I was doing a full-time GA, like graduate assistantship to help pay for school. And so when I took that pregnancy test, I just thought I was exhausted from literally studying all night. Um, it was like, now that I'm a mom, I can say this. I was truly on like a newborn schedule for school just without mm -hmm. the newborn. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I was just like, I can't do, like I literally cannot schedule-wise, I can't grow a human keep this GA and do clinicals and also do class. And so I just very quickly, we just kind of reevaluated, okay, what can go away so that you cannot be stressed during this pregnancy? So I had Nora in April. I graduated in May 
And I went to my professors like at the beginning and I was like, hey, I don't want to have to come back. I will not be motivated. Like, is there anything I can do to just like to be done basically? And so thankfully there was a little more flexibility with it being my final year. Um, I did all the things necessary that the other girls did, but we did speed it up quite a bit. And I had to teach myself a lot, which was really hard because I'm not that, I'm not that student. Like I need study groups, but thankfully my study groups bridged the gap for me. And we had a lot of intense study sessions and, um, I was happy with B's. Like, I think I even made a C, but I still made a B overall because you can't make a C in the program where you get mm -hmm. kicked out. Um, and so it was like this pressure to be like, okay, you have to do this. So it taught me a lot about like, you're going to get the same degree, whether or not you get a B or an A. And also like, who cares? Like, nobody's going to look at that number. So all of that right. to say, like, I had a team of people rally around me and my professors were incredible. And I was able to finish everything, clinicals and classwork um, before, I think I had like two weeks off and then like had Nora. Um, while they were all taking comps, I was giving birth. And so I did not take my comps <laughs> when I should have. I waited until Nora was older and all of my brain cells were gone. And so that was a hard thing. But again, it all worked out exactly how it should have. And I got to carry her across the stage at my hooding ceremony. And so that was really, really, really special. Um, just to be like, wow, we did this. Like, not I did this, but like we did this together. And mm -hmm. it was such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I like that you mentioned about your brain cells, like your brain being <laughs> a little different. Um, I was just reading this book about um, like early motherhood and like the transition into motherhood. And they were saying that you can tell if someone's a mom or not just by doing a brain scan on them. And like, you don't need to know any other information about them just because being a mom just like physically changes your brain, wow. which I thought was really, really interesting. So like mom brain is like a real I'm mom blown. I need to see, I need to know more about this. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting, right? Yeah. I'm like, why did no one be like, Lindsay, take this exam now? Like, don't wait. But- Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be cool if that's, if, I don't know if it was like as common knowledge, you know? Yeah, for sure. So funny. Um, so what was your birth like with Nora? Um, it was a very, um, it was beautiful. I mean, I did the, sorry for the beeping. Um, I had an epidural with her and so it was pretty chill. I mean, the epidural was not, however. Um, apparently, I have a really tight spine, according to the person that I was with. And so I have a picture, but they attempted an epidural 13 different times. Whoa. And my spine was super bruised. And we were on the final one. And I just was like, you guys, I can't do that. You know, because you're in like the fetal balled up position. Um, mm -hmm. And at this time, this is when I started having tailbone issues was with my pregnancy with Nora. And so you can't stay in that position for very long. And so it was like, okay. And then when that started, I thought this is not, this is going to be a rough road. Um, and so thankfully they, they got it in, they called in like the higher up doctor and, um, got it in and her birth was, was really quick. Um, and she was here and then I hemorrhaged with her and that got really scary. I just remember convulsing and like was really short of breath. 
And of course, they're going to tell you in that moment that it's normal. But I knew, I knew like I had seen birth before, like this is not normal. Mm-hmm. And so I was just really scared. Like I didn't get to see her. I had oxygen. They immediately like covered my face with oxygen. And meanwhile, my nose ring is getting ripped out because I have a nose piercing and I just didn't think about taking it out. Um, So I'm like, my husband's like trying to keep it from ripping out of my nose. And I'm like, whatever you have to do, just like get like get her out and, you know, get me okay. Um, So I don't think I got to hold her for like at least 30 to 45 minutes because they were trying to stop the bleeding. But thankfully, my husband was there and it wound up being okay. I think I was like point. It was a crazy number. Like I should have probably gotten a transfusion, but I didn't. And so that recovery was really hard. And the birth started out like, okay. And then it just got really hard and really scary. So I think that takes up more brain space than like the beauty of the moment. And so when I go to tell the story, it's like, but it was still beautiful because it's a part of my story. And when I finally did get to hold her, it was just like, oh, like you just feel that wave of I guess oxytocin, it just like takes you over and of like, man, this is so good. Like you're here and we, we did it. Wow. That sounds really intense and scary. Yeah. I had an awesome, awesome team that made me feel comfortable. And obviously my husband is like my rock and was just like, we're going to get through this. Um, and thankfully he got that good skin to skin with her. And so I just knew like that it was okay, but it was mm-hmm. just that feeling of like, am I going to be okay? Like, what is happening? You know, you just don't know. You don't know. So thankfully it ended well and, you know, we snuggled for the rest of that night and all the good stuff. So. (laughs) So what was your recovery like having lost so much blood? Um, it was really hard. Like it was a very hard recovery. I remember her sticking out more than the other two girls. Um, at six weeks, I still very, I felt very fresh and and raw. Um, and so I had to, I think I had a little more hemorrhaging as, you know, looking back in retrospect, like what happened, you know, as a new mom, you don't know what's normal or abnormal. Um, you just have like visuals <laughs> and the ways that your body feel. But I definitely called the doctor a lot. Like I couldn't sit, you know, like I said, I had tailbone issues with Nora that started. And then like during birth, I guess it just exacerbated the issue. And so the hemorrhage on top of that was just like a really painful, unenjoyable, you know, moment because when your physical pain is so strong, it like mentally, emotionally, you can't be as present because that pain is just mm-hmm. there. Um, but thankfully, was it like a constant pain? yes, it was, it was so, it was like the most intense, like doesn't go away, you know, cause you want to sit, you just had a baby. Um, yeah. and all the things are sore <laughs> mm-hmm. and your, your boobs are sore, like all of that. And so it's just like, I can't even just do this thing and enjoy her because it, it made me so angry because I was like, I should not be so focused on me that, you know, here's this tiny little baby who like cannot help the fact that she needs to nurse every two minutes or, you know, whatever. But it was a really hard postpartum journey in physical pain. I honestly don't even, I mean, I remember the emotional part of it. I remember like crying at the drop of a hat. So I do think there was some postpartum stuff going on. Um, But I was so hyper-focused on the physical pain that I thought what I was going through was normal. But looking back now, it's like all of that was definitely not. And I wish that I would have had another mom, you know, had this you know, platform to just listen to other moms be like, it is okay. Here's the help that 
you know, can be had. I had a similar experience postpartum with my son where I was just in constant pain. And it's like, it like chews away at you Mm. being in constant pain. That's such a good way to put it. Yeah. It's like Pac-Man. Like you just keep getting smaller and smaller and it's horrible. Like, like it always bothered me if someone was like, well, on a scale of one to 10, Mm. how much pain are you in? And you're like, well, if I've been at like this number for this many weeks, I think we have a problem, you know? Exactly. There's no number. Yeah. No. How long do you did it take for you to feel like you were normal, like not in constant pain all the time? Mm. Oh my gosh, I don't know. I think I finally got to a point to where I could manage it because during the postpartum with Nora is when I started pelvic floor physical therapy with Jen, who was on your podcast a few back. And so I was able to learn enough compensatory things in the moment to be more present, I guess. But that part of me has been a journey and I just got discharged for those things like two weeks ago. <laughs> and Nora's like, almost six. Um, yeah, I was going to ask how long. that It's been a while. I mean, you've had two kids since then, but still, that's a long period of time. Yeah, but I would say like the intense rawness, you know, faded after probably, I don't know, she was probably half a year. I finally got into a just like okay, these are things that I can do to like feel better and manage, you know? So when did you start going to pelvic floor PT in then in that time frame? I went, I think when I got cleared when Nora was six weeks is when I called. And I remember vividly, like Jen is amazing. And she actually talked to me on the phone. Excuse me. It wasn't the front desk lady or whatever. And she mm-hmm. was like, you need to get in here. And I was very hesitant because I'm like, well, it's not that bad. You know, you know, that whole thing. And it's yeah. like, well, no, I think, <laughs> I think it is. And you don't want to wait until you're worse. And then you don't have the tools in your toolbox to like help you, you know, know how to navigate the moment. And so that's when I was like, okay, she's on the phone. She's telling me I need to come in. What do I, I literally have nothing to lose. Let's go. So mm-hmm. I made the appointment and went the next week. Man, I'm glad that like you, I don't know. I'm just glad that Jen could be like, no, this is not okay that you're in pain. Exactly. Like, we're going to get through this. Yeah. And it was like I had, she knew me. It was the strangest thing. Um, It's like, they just, I don't know. I don't know if all pelvic floor therapists are like that, but it's like, they just know, they know motherhood and they know what your body's going through. And it's like, I'm so glad in that moment, she was like, no, I need to see you. And it wasn't like, well, you just call me when you're ready. Because I feel like as mamas, we sometimes need that. Obviously, we need the grace of like, you come when you're ready. But sometimes we need that voice of like, these things you're telling me, like you need help. So come yeah, on in. <laughs> kind of like that almost like older, wiser yes. presence of like, I can see what you can't see right now. Mm. And like, from what you're telling me, this is a big problem and I can help you fix it. Yes. Perspective and is so like, it's so powerful especially in her realm of, like you said, just another set of eyes and ears. It's like, of course, you're not that bad to yourself, but to somebody else, it's like they want to help you. So like be helped. Totally. Um, so you had two other children after Nora. We're going to kind of skip Luna, even though I'm sure that was a amazing experience just for the sake of time. Um, and we'll let's talk a little bit about your experience um, leading up to pregnancy and pregnancy with May, your youngest. 
Yeah. So yeah. What, what was that like um, deciding or maybe being surprised with, or you know, just that <laughs> step towards um, having, getting pregnant with Mamie? Yeah. Maymay was a total surprise. Um, not that we weren't trying per se, but like I said, I never like took birth control or I don't know how like quote unquote smart we were. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, we're all, we're probably a mom listening to this. Like we all know how babies are made. Um, we had two other kids and so it was just like, okay, whatever happens. And also like I haven't had a regular period, so there's no way I'm going to get pregnant. And then I remember that moment of like, you just know after having a couple kids that like something feels off. Mm-hmm. And my sweet husband was like, I wasn't going to take a test. He was like, we need, you need to take a test. Um, and I was like, no, no. I think Luna was like, oh my word, they're 19 months apart. So however old that makes Luna, she was tiny. And so I was like, this, this is not happening again. Like we're not going to have another stair step baby. And then I remember sitting on our love seat and I walked in the living room with the, the, I call it the pea stick. There's probably like a better name. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was like, no, (laughs) I think we said a few choice words. I, I did. Um, obviously so pumped, but also like, what? No, like this is not happening right now. It just felt, the timing just felt, again, timing's our thing. It just didn't feel right. It just felt like it couldn't be possible. And then, you know, as believers, we were like, okay, Lord, what what are you teaching us? Let's let's do the thing. Let's do it again. <laughs> Times three, come on. Uh. Yeah, that's, I mean, lots and lots of mixed feelings. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a theme of motherhood too, of like mm-hmm. having all these competing feelings at the same time. That's so that's such a good way to put it. I remember this is just a funny. Um, I fed my kids veggie straws the morning that I found out I was pregnant with our second and the morning that I found out we were pregnant with our third. I just was like I turned to show. It's like your body just goes numb or something. I was like, here's a show in veggie straws. Like I need a minute to just like get it together. <laughs> so yeah. So what was your pregnancy like with her? With Maymay? Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh. It was a really hard pregnancy just because, like I said, I was in pelvic floor therapy for um, like a broken tailbone and then some other pelvic floor stuff. And so the two pregnancies history mixed with a new pregnancy so closely together, it was a pretty, like, unglamorous, like, a lot of days felt like hell, honestly. Um, I hurt so bad. I couldn't play with my other two little kids in the way that I felt like I wanted to. Like, sitting on the floor with them was, like, absolutely not an option. Um, And so sitting was, like, what triggered me to be in the most pain. And so it just felt very dark, I think, this moment. I'm going to try not to get emotional. These, this beautiful moment of here's this third baby and here's these tiny little girls who also need you. It just felt wrong to like not be able to enjoy them or enjoy this pregnancy that I dreamed of. You know, like I said, I dreamed of being pregnant and then here like God gave us these three babies and it's like, why, why, like, why is there so much pain? Why do I feel this way? And so it was a battle every day to just like choose hope 
and choose that this was such a big part of my story that would later be told. Um, but it was really hard. And it's hard for me to say that because I want to tell you that like it was magical and we had these two little girls and and it was, but it's like it was also really stinking hard and I was in pain the whole time, you know? And so thankfully having Jen um, as my PT to just like remind me of things that I could do and remind me in areas of my body that were strong and that healing, you know, was happening. It's like just being told that and believing that like had so much power. And so I know that, um, yeah, she doesn't know, she probably would guess this is the case, but she just helped me journey through that mentally and emotionally to feel strong and capable even through what I felt like there was never going to be an end to this pain. So, yeah, it was just, it was tough. And my husband was in full-time ministry. um, And so weekends, like he was gone late through the week for rehearsal and he was gone all day on Sundays. And so I could never be plugged in with that because I had these two little kids and I was in pain carrying this third baby. And so I just felt alone and I felt like nobody um, understood where I was or I also didn't want to put that burden on anybody else to like, hey, I'm coming to church, but I need two other people to meet me at the door to get these kids because my husband is like on stage on the platform and he can't do that. And so it was just a season of like, and looking back now, gosh, how much I've grown and I'm so grateful for it. But to say that it was like awesome and <laughs> fun, um, obviously it was like, it's such a sweet time, but it was a really hard time, a really hard time. Yeah, and it's allowed to be both, you know. Mm. Thank you for sharing that because I'm like, that's like the realness of motherhood that sometimes we wish it was like unicorns and butterflies. Mm. And, <laughs> and like, there's like little moments of that, but sometimes there's just some like, some other stuff going on. Yeah. And that it's okay. Like, it's okay to talk about the other stuff. And so for me, like right now, just to like get honest about what's happening in my head, my brain is saying, you've only talked about the things that were hard. Like you need to bring more goodness to the front. And it was like, I hope that in my story, you hear that my heart is, that my kids are amazing and that motherhood is beautiful, but also like the hard stuff has to be talked about because then other moms feel validated and like, it's we need to share it. Like Mm -hmm. I need to hear your story and you need to hear mine. And then we need to feel and hear that we're not alone and that you know, that's a beauty of community and motherhood. And that's what, you know, I think is so awesome about you, Nicole. You just have this gifting of bringing people in and like making people feel seen and known. And so thank thank you for that. I know you weren't asking for that, but just to feel validated. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. Like there's like this, I think all of us feel that like all, or at least most of us moms feel that like the desire to like like communicate how much we love it, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think we all know that we like it or else we wouldn't do it. (laughs) It's true. And like, I hear some moms like, be like, Oh, well, you know, it is like, I'm only doing this because I have to. I'm like, no, you like, you don't have to do this. Like as harsh and like horrible as it sounds like you could put your kid up for adoption when they're five, Mm. you know, and not that it's bad to do that. You know, if that's like what your path is, I'm just like, obviously it there's some magic and love and wonderfulness in there if we're all doing it you know absolutely um so I appreciate you sharing like all different facets of it so Mm. thank you yeah thank you um so let's talk about 
um, your birth with Mamie? Yeah, man, this is a heavy. <laughs> I have shared this birth story in like snippets. And I actually think my husband and I went live on Facebook one night, not long after she was born. Um, not to glorify us in any way, but just to bring like awareness to our story. And just because it was such a powerful, transformational, spiritual moment and experience that it just had to be talked about. And so like to be talking about on this platform and piecing it all together, like I'm trying to be strong, but also I'm a very emotional being. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so there'll probably be some tears, but yeah. Um, oh, where to start? (laughs) Is there a particular? Um, so we kind of talked about the pregnancy. What was it like when you first started? Um, like you noticed you were in labor. Yeah. So I guess to back up a little bit, we chose to have a doula with our third baby. And so every week, I don't remember the exact timeline, we would meet with her and then obviously our OB like in collaboration. And so it was a very different like pre, I guess like pregnancy and birth in that regard, because I felt Mm -hmm. so prepared. Um, I felt prepared from like knowing about how my body was supposed to work in these moments, knowing how my body would perform because it had these ailments like tailbone and pelvic floor weakness and like scarring and tearing. Like there are things that we had to work through in order to prep my body for this delivery um, that I wouldn't have known otherwise without my doula. Um, And so it was just a beautiful experience to like have all of this knowledge walking into something that I had already done twice, but feel like a different person, even through the physical pain and like feelings of being defeated on a lot of days, I had never felt more ready or prepared to like give birth. And so, um, I guess like a couple day, it was like the day, I guess I went into labor. I started having like Braxton Hicks, like the false contractions or whatever. I knew what those felt like, you know, with two babies before, But then they would kind of go away, and as the night would get later, it would turn into, like, I can't even describe it. I would literally get in the fetal position. This was, like, in the middle of the night, and I was like, I'm in labor. Like, this is – like, I'm going to give birth this baby on the floor because this feels different. Mm -hmm. And so my husband was asleep. I had gotten up to go to the couch because I was just so uncomfortable. And so I texted my doula, and I was like, hey, like, something's weird. Um, I think maybe I'm in labor. (laughs) (laughs) Like what mom of three says that she thinks she's in labor. Um, So she like gave me all these tips to do, like do these stretches, go take a warm bath, see if it resolves because I wasn't due for like another three days, I don't think, Um, which, you know, obviously that late in the game, it's not a huge deal or even like uncommon to go that early. And so the pain just kept getting worse. Um, The best way to describe it is just like you ate something terrible for you that hurt your gut and it's like just writhing, but like Mm, all over. And I can see why you're like, am I in labor? Because that's not what labor feels like. Right. But I also, real talk, I had also had buffalo chicken for lunch that day. (laughs) So you're like, well, maybe. Yeah. I was like, I just need to poop. Like I just need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it just felt. It was so different. So, yeah, she comes over, and she was like, I definitely think you're in labor. So we woke Jordy up, uh, my husband, and she starts, like, checking my vitals, which I don't – she was in midwifery school at the time, so there was, like, a lot of knowledge that she had that common doulas don't, Mm -hmm. and I very much 
know and believe that like God gave me her for this specific reason to have different knowledge in this moment. But she kept checking my vitals and they just were not like they weren't settling to her. My blood pressure kept rising. Um, and then she like laid on the couch with me. I think she stayed with us for a few hours. Um, just, she wanted to see if I progressed anymore and if anything changed. Um, and my OB was aware too. Um, cool story with the OB that delivered is she delivered all three of our girls. And in that time span, we became really good friends. And so she was on a trip and she had gotten food poisoning and she was like, I'm going to have to get through this and I'm going to drive home in the morning. And so I was fighting to not go into labor because I needed her to be back because, you know, I want her. She's delivered two other babies. She knows how mm-hmm. I birth. She knows all the things about me. Um, But so, yeah, so she, I guess she had left. And then um, my doula had left and it just, it would go away for a minute. I would get some rest and then it just kind of started back. So she came back and she was like, I just thought of something. I want to check your protein levels. And I don't even remember what exactly that does, but there's a reason for it. And they were like unbelievably off the charts. And she was like, okay, this is out of my scope. We've got to get you to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So that's when the like, I felt prepared. And then like, what? Like, holy shit, what is happening? Like you just said something was out of your scope, like something's wrong. Yeah. So we like fly to the, you know, get my parents to come get the girls. And we're both like terrified, like what is wrong? Um, I just was in so much pain, so much pain. And it was different, you know, like it's just different pain. And so anyway, long story short, we got there and the our OB had prepped. We were delivering at a new hospital because I followed my doctor to this hospital. She had gotten a lead OB job at this um, particular place and we wanted to be with her. So we didn't know anything about this hospital. I was fully going there to be with my doctor. And so it started off pretty rocky. Um, We did not have a good, like, intro. They were like, why are you here? And we're like, well, she's having all these complications, and I had my doula um, with me. And so I think um, treading gently here because I just have a ton of respect for people in the medical field. I mean, I have worked in it, and um, they're just – they're heroes, but it was just kind of one of those, you're bringing this doula into our floor, like this is our job. And it didn't feel very team mentality from the second we mm-hmm. walked in. And also I was very sick and my husband was like, you know, daddy bear, like, no, we're not playing this game. So there were some some words that were had, some voices that were raised, um, all respectfully, but that changed the pace quickly for the better. They realized, oh, something is wrong with her. This doula means well, this family is serious. But also, like, respectful. And so once the doctor got there, she was like, hey, listen, you know, we're on the same team with the doula. We're going to work together. But also know that, you know, if something comes up, like, we've got to medically intervene, which is why we were at the hospital. You know, we were at the hospital for that reason. Like, we wanted the beauty of a doula to come in and, like, have our birth plan in mind and be able to stick to that as much as possible and be my advocate while also realizing, like, OBs are incredible people and so are the nurses and we needed both we wanted both we wanted that harmonious moment of you know everybody bringing their giftings and it working together and so they started checking my labs like as soon as we got there and I was so swollen that they couldn't get 
a read. And so like I had all these, it's like, like they couldn't, they couldn't check to see how far you were dilated. Um, well that was kind of where it got messy because I didn't want to be checked and unnecessarily unless we were ready. Mm -hmm. Um, but because I was having issues, they wanted to check. And of course I was like, yeah, like, let's see how far along. And I think, I don't remember. I was way farther along than I thought, but they wanted to check, like take blood and stuff because my protein was so high. And so at this point, I'm like, why are there all these people in the room? Like, what is happening? And my doctor walks in and she just had this look on her face. And we were like, oh. And she said, I want you guys to sit down. Um, ugh, here comes the tears. She said, um, Lindsay has a, a rare syndrome called HELP syndrome. And the only cure for this syndrome is to get the baby out. Um, phew. There's a chance that she wouldn't make it, that the baby wouldn't make it, or that everything could be fine. We don't know. And that's the challenge with the syndrome is that it's just so dangerous that typically we take moms in for a, an emergency C-section we don't give you the option to birth um, vaginally because of that reason. We need to get the baby out. And so what HELP syndrome is, um, it's elevated liver enzymes, a low platelet count. Um, it usually develops about the 37th week of pregnancy or like earlier on. You, you pretty typically know that you have it. It's rare that it's like a sudden onset HELP syndrome, which is what I had. Um, so like preeclampsia, like your blood pressure is like at stroke level, um, your liver shutting down, um, your body's shutting down. And so the only cure is to get that baby out of there. And so because our doctor knew me and knew kind of how quickly that I moved throughout labor and knew how strongly, like I wanted to stick with my birth plan as much, much as possible. She was like, I'm going to give you this amount of time to progress and if you don't, we're taking you in. And so I just remember at that point thinking, I cannot. My first thought was, I can't do this. I cannot do this. Um, and I had my mom, my husband, and the doula, and the doctor in there who was also my friend. And we just had scripture all around the room, and my diffuser was going, and the lights were off. And we just totally changed the environment of the place and I totally felt God in that moment just like overwhelm me and think and and say, like I heard, you know, not God's audible voice, but I just felt his presence. And I just was like, I know I have to do this. Like I was made to do this. I have a team of people in here and I'm not giving up. Like this is not the end of my story. And so we just prayed in that moment that like God would just be in the room and that we would make it through this and that whatever the outcome, that he would be glorified and that I would also have the strength to make it through. And I just was like, I just changed. It was literally like a transformation in that moment of like, I felt strong. I wasn't scared. Like I was so ready to give birth to this baby. And I knew that it was just going to be a huge part of my motherhood story. And so I don't exactly remember. I still have the notes for my doula, but I progressed like I should. Um, I'm trying to think, like, just back to that moment. It was just so, 
so much happening. There was literally people, if another mom wasn't giving birth, then that nurse or whoever was on the floor was in my room. Like there was no, there was probably eight people in my room at a time, like constantly taking bottles and the nurse and ethicist couldn't get like a needle in at one point. And so they had to call in like the lead. It was just, it was crazy. But somehow during all of that, it was just like the most calm. (laughs) I was so calm and just like my body was doing what it needed to do. And so I did, I got to the dilation that she wanted me to. And I remember hitting that transitional period. Well, first of all, I wanted to birth like with a birthing ball and like not be taped up to all, not taped up, like hooked up to all these machines. (laughs) But when you have help syndrome, they have to give you um, Pitocin because they want to speed your labor along. And they also give you magnesium sulfate, which is an unbelievably powerful drug. Both of those things are. But, um, oh, to back up, it's all coming back. Um, I wanted to give birth naturally to the third. I didn't want an epidural. And that was not, a lot of people say like, why in the world would you want to prove? I'm like, first of all, I have nothing to prove. I had nothing to do with my desire to prove anything, but everything to do with me trusting how my body was made to birth. And I felt capable and I felt empowered to do so. And so that's what I wanted. And so when she gave us the news that I had help syndrome, I was like, oh, well, I for sure want an epidural now. Like, I can't do this. And she was like, oh, no. She was like, you, it's contraindicated, like you would bleed out. You can't have an epidural. So your options are either an emergency C-section or continue on with your birth plan Mm -hmm. (laughs) of not having one. And I thought, okay, well, here we go. And so I had no pain in management at all. Um, And then I had these two crazy powerful drugs pumping into my body and Magnesium sulfate makes you feel like a piece of cement um, while still having to move your body to prepare for labor. And so it's like, I just remember having people having to move me. And while this whole time, like I was just focused on breathing and relaxing my body so it could do its thing while also feeling like I was just going to throw up the entire time. Cause that's what, mag- that's what magnesium sulfate does. You're just in a constant state of nausea, feeling like a cemented sloth is the best way I can put it. Meanwhile, Pitocin's like making you have contractions. And so it was just unbelievable sensations while also feeling very in control. Um, I had my doula that was, you know, massaging me and rubbing me down with oils the whole time and just like prayer and worship music going on the whole time. So it was just like we just kind of turned that into a moment of worship and and not like a moment of scared, fear-driven like – you can't do this. It was like the total opposite. So anyway, we got into that thing that mamas who have given birth naturally call like the transitional period where I'm like, what does that really mean? Oh, well, you know, (laughs) you feel it. (laughs) And even if you like watch a video of someone giving birth, like you can see it on their face. Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I just remember grabbing my husband's hand and grabbing the doula. And I was like, it's time. Like, I have no control anymore. My body's trying to get this baby out. And so it was the most indescribable pain I can ever, like, ever, ever explain. There are no words um, between feeling nauseous and having, like, I literally had a, uh, not a paper towel, a washcloth with peppermint oil over my face while, like, trying to get to this transitional period because it's the only thing that kept me from, wanting to vomit all over the place. Um, And so we did, you know, got in position and the doctor came in and um, 
we just started. I think I pushed for, oh my gosh, like less than five minutes. I don't know. It was crazy. It was like once I hit that transition period, like she was ready. Um, and so it was insane, like just the feeling, like the sensation of her coming out. And it was like my body just felt the relief. It was like even through the drugs, my body was like in that moment, like, okay, she's out. You can you can kind of go back to normal, <laughs> even though that wasn't the case. They had to take her and do um, a couple different tests on her, I think. Um, or no, no, I did get to hold her immediately. That's not true. They put her skin to skin because I was okay. I think, um, I don't think, I, yeah, okay, sorry. I'm like thinking back in my head to that moment. <laughs> There's so many moving parts. But yeah, so I got to hold her and I wanted to wait to um, cut the cord for a little bit. And so they didn't let, they didn't let me wait as long as I wanted to because of the help, but they were still so um, very respectful of our birth plan. And as much as they could, even though I had this crazy syndrome that could have been fatal, like they just let me do what I wanted to do even in the midst of that. And so that meant a lot to me just to see the two of those worlds collide of like, okay, you're very sick. I remember the nurse coming in there and she'd be like, oh my gosh, like you're so sick on paper. Like, how do you look this good? And I'm mm -hmm. like, first of all, can you not lead with you look terrible on paper, but <laughs> that's just like not a very encouraging thing, but it made me, I don't know. Like, it's just like, man, we're doing it. Like we're doing it. Um, and I truly like just attribute that obviously to like the Lord's plan for my life, but just my team, like my doctor, my doula, um, the power of the oils that I had in the moment and just like prayer and worship. And it was just such an awesome moment. But I remember holding May May and it was just like this whoosh of, I don't know. I just didn't think that it would happen. And when you have been in a moment where you're told that like this could be fatal and you might not come out of it or you might not make it. And then you hold that baby. It's just like the thing that I keep thinking is just like a lion's roar, just like the power of a lion roaring is what I felt like in that moment of like, holy shit, like your body, our bodies are incredible, miraculous creations. And the fact that I felt like in some way I like defied, what's the word? Like, Against the against all odds, like no odds were in my favor, but here we are. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was just wild, like to have the team around me and just like be okay. I mean, I had to have a lot of attention after, and um, it was a crazy like recovery period in the hospital. But to have been able to birth her according to the plan that I wanted, and to feel so connected to, um just God and connected to my own body, um, was just a place that makes no sense. Like it should have been the complete opposite experience, I guess, in the world's view of that birth, but it wasn't. And so I just encourage moms to like dig into you and like trust your body and trust, you know, the way that you were created to be and just go, like, just go for it. If you want a natural birth, go for it. If you don't, don't. And I think it's important to know that, like, all of our stories are so beautiful no matter which avenue we choose. But my hope in sharing May May's story is that something so scary doesn't have to be. It can be a moment of empowerment and 
just like transformation in all the ways, you know? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I just was on my end, just crying the whole mm. time because that was just incredible. Oh. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the difference between your birth with Nora and your birth with Maymay? Because you, I mean, like you had a lot of odds stacked against you with Maymay's birth, yet it was this like really empowering experience for you. Mm. Um, so can you talk about like some of the I don't know, differences and similarities between those two? Yeah. So with Nora, it's like I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I knew my friends had had babies and this is what happens. And, you know, if things get scary, like you don't have any control and you just kind of do what they tell you or do what you've read about, all of that. And so it's a very scary place to be when you don't have any control or knowledge over how your body works or choices that you might have versus walking into May May's, you know, delivery and postpartum of like, okay, I know this is how my body is supposed to work. And there are lots of things it can do on its own. And there are some other things it might need help with. And so it was just like this beautiful learning of like, man, I knew nothing to, not that I know everything, gosh, I, I know nothing still, but just to have this like this toolbox to pull from, you know, of like, these are part of it. Like you don't have to know all of it, but you were plugged into so many different people that Mm. did that were expert experts in those things, you know, like your doula, your OBGYN, your pelvic floor PT. For sure. Yeah. You bring up such a beautiful point of just like the beauty of having people on your team. And like, I would always giggle or like, be like, that is so dumb. Like, what are you team and whatever. But now it's like, no, you need the expertise of the doctor, of the person, of the doula, um, um, of oils and medicine and a PT and a chiropractor. Like just, you need all of these perspectives and knowledge. And then you get, you have the power to make the decision on what you think is best, but also like they have a lot of knowledge in their brains and they, the team that I had, like all of them wanted to help me and all of them wanted what was best for me. And so it was just really, really cool to see all of the things, especially in today's times that can be so polarizing and so like put a hand in the face of all the people, um, to see all of those people come together, like for me and to like fight for me and like nobody was trying to be better than the other person. And just to know that like, we're all like, and that might not be the case all the time. Like I'm not naive enough to think that, but in the case of like you, I advocated for myself and then I pulled these people in and then it's like, they just know you get, they get to learn you. They get to learn who you are, like learn your physical body. And then from there you can create this plan of like, man, you can do this. And like, we're all on your team and we're all here for you. Totally. Um, one thing I'd like to touch on a little bit, um, is, your identity as you've, you know, been through this long journey with these different, you know, stopping points with, um, different chapters of your, of your story. Um, but how, how do you feel like your identity has transformed in your motherhood journey? Oh man, that's, that's tough. So much like identity is one of those scary words. It's like, what's who, like, who am I? 
how am I? Why am I? Um, I think just transforming into a person who was very naive and skeptical, skeptical and like it was hard for me to trust into a mom who feels who still battle. I still battle like confidence in my mothering. And I think we all do if we're honest. Um, but just knowing that like I'm capable and I'm able and like my girls need to see a strong mom, but they also need to see a mom who's broken sometimes and who asks for help. And so just letting go of like this need to perform or this need to, to know all the things or to like, man, I don't know anything. Like I need help in this area and there's someone out there who wants to give that to me and just like, I don't know. It's just crazy. I don't even know if that makes sense. Just like all these. (laughs) It's kind of like, from what I'm hearing, it's kind of like you started out in this almost like a little vulnerable, which Mm -hmm. I think is very um, normal. I think being a mom, especially like a first time mom is very vulnerable. And then now um, you know, as you've gone in your journey, you seem like a very like empowered person that, Mm. that knows that they're capable and that does. And within that, it still means that you're not constantly like at peak performance, like you're still a human being. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, I used to hate the word like empowered and you know, because you just get these cultural definitions of what this stuff means, but until you experience it or like walk through life with someone who does and like lay down pride for me, just like put your pride to the side and just like learn about this for your own um, sake of just like, man, I don't know anything, but also like to not say that I haven't grown exponentially as a mom from April 10th, 2015 to 2020 would be a lie. And so, and that's even a battle to be like, I have this story to share, but I never want it to be from a place of like, look how far I've come and like, look how awesome I am. And it's like never that. It's always like, no, look at what I've walked through and how I'm still growing and being challenged every single day. I mean, even today, like I was discharged from physical therapy for a week and I went back today for a new ailment that was still from pregnancy. But it's like, just a reminder that like life is fleeting. You're just like this tiny person, but for us to not share our stories would just be, I don't know. We all need, we need stories. Like stories are powerful and somebody's waiting to be encouraged by your story. And so, yeah, I hope that in some way I have done that and given somebody else that just like empowerment to just run and go. And if you trip and fall and get back up and just keep going, (laughs) just keep trucking. Definitely. Thank you. Um, is there any like last words that you would like to share? Um, may, maybe some advice to the parents who are listening? Oh, I guess just to trust, like trust your intuition and trust your gut as, as people say with, with your kids, with how you parent, with the way you walk into your next pregnancy and just letting down that curtain of like, the need to please anybody. I mean, your yourself, your your spouse, you know, for me, it's like, well, I want my spouse to to trust and know that I'm like brave. And it's like, well, bravery is like 
you doing what maybe your gut says you need to do or asking hard questions or saying no to things that, you know, you want said yes to or so just like being open to transformation, I guess, and not being stuck in this is the way I'm going to parent. This is the way I'm going to labor like an open mindedness is truly a beautiful thing. And to just continue to grow and to also like let people speak into your life that know (laughs) that like you in the beginning, like that are wiser than you and ask you hard questions because that's everything. Like community and being challenged by other moms and like other people who believe the way that I do and even people who don't believe the way that I do to just keep, just keep that going. Like don't let that stuff stop or become complacent in how you parent. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your story with us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's seriously so humbling and an honor to be here. Until next time, this has been the Here and Now Motherhood Podcast. 